Welcome, friends, to Spiritual Caffeine, the energy podcast that's good for you. I'm Dana Bishop Sanders, and this is Episode 19, The Happiness Playbook. Life, life, life. Life is so full of choices. And one of the most foundational and basic, I think, is the choice that involves happiness. And I'm not saying that we choose happy things to come into our life, although some people do believe we attract that with our energy. Um, And I believe there is truth to that. I also believe that no matter what is placed on our path, there is always a choice. You can choose how you will react to that. And I believe happiness is a choice and a skill. But how do you do it? How does it happen that you make a choice that leads to more happiness or rejects happiness regardless of what's on that path? How do you develop those skills? The Happiness Playbook is a new podcast, the brainchild of Larie Florence and Neil Hooper is the host. It is an amazing podcast. I hope that you'll actually make this a permanent part of your life if you go check it out. It is just a wonderful handbook, playbook. It's no exaggeration to say that this playbook, the happiness playbook, can change your life. Please welcome Neil Hooper. Welcome, Neil. Hello, hello. Hi, I am so excited to be with you. Oh, no, not as excited as I am to be with you. Seriously, this is just like, oh, (laughs) so excited to talk to you about so many things. Um, But specifically about the new podcast, The Happiness Playbook. This is a podcast that everybody on the face of the earth needs, and I am not exaggerating. I am not overstating that is just the pure universal truth. <laughs> you are too kind. <laughs> I'm just going to say that, put that right out there. Because anyone that listens to the happiness playbook is going to learn so much about time-tested universal principles that create happiness. Bottom line. And, <laughs> <laughs> and these are principles that were discovered by Larie Florence way back in the day when she's when she initially started creating Take Note Troop. And so these principles come out of a theater background, but they apply to everybody. Just like, you know, mindfulness comes out of an Eastern background, but now the world is embracing that and not just saying, oh, only yogis do that. No, no, no. We all can use that to our own benefit. So welcome, Neil. So excited that you're here. Oh, I am so excited to be here too. You have no idea. I love your podcast and you are just one of my favorite people. So this is like such a treat. Such a treat. Great. Great. The paycheck for those comments is on your way. Thank you. (laughs) So just a little background for our listeners. I have known Neil for many years. He was a youngin. I would say, not a little one, but a young one. I think we met, (laughs) I want to say 2005, 2006. So it's been a good 15-ish plus maybe years. Yes, yes. And we met as a result of, I just briefly mentioned Larie Florence's theater troupe called Take Note Troupe. And um, I was involved with that for many years. And I had just met Larie, I think right around the year 2005. And that was about the same year that I met you, Neil, when she was just kind of developing the idea of, distilling and coalescing these universal truths from theater into play theory and how it applies to real life. Um, 
So that was super cool. And I also have a super fun memory of one of my earliest memories of you, Neil, when uh, the very first musical that I directed for a theater troupe that I had, <laughs> <laughs> Theater Alive, and you were one of the 12 brothers in Joseph. Yes. And the color dream coat. Oh my gosh. Oh, so, I, I got to tell you real quick. I'm sorry to interject here. Okay. That song, One More Angel in Heaven, that I got to sing, yeah. I sing that to my daughters now. Whoa. And I try, I go I go all out, and they love it. They just have so much fun. So I, too, fondly recall my time okay. in that show and with you. It was such a blast. Oh, my gosh. If you could, it's a good thing we're not filming, because I actually almost just started crying right then. I'm imagining you singing to, oh, my goodness. That's such a cute little lullaby song that really totally could be it, oh like, it um, is like you could do a lullaby or you could just be like that could be like an energy infusing song you could do whatever you wanted with that song yes it, so cool it, oh they God. love it i don't have a cowboy hat that i wear you know <laughs> as i sing it but it's still I, good but you can do it twangy you can just do it nearly right. okay. <laughs> love it love it love it all right so let's move on now because i really would like to spend a ton of time explaining to people what play theory is and kind of going through each principle and why we all need it as much as air. I'm not kidding. You guys, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> if, you know, the Maslow's basic needs, we need food, shelter. <laughs> it's like, it needs to be, it's one of the basics. I, I swear, we, I don't know how people, I do not really know how we live on this planet without some other basics. And coming from an LDS perspective, to me, that's the knowledge that God is there, the knowledge that we are his children and the knowledge that we are basically here to just grow. And that yes. means growing through the every kind of experience. Um, I used to think that the word blessing meant something good coming into your life, but I re redefined it many, many years ago to mean anything that brings us closer to God. I love that. That to me is a blessing. And play theory is a, something that will bring you closer to God. It will bring you closer to who you really are. It will bring you closer to connecting with people on a real authentic level. It will bring you closer to healing things within yourself. And it will bring you closer to um, the skills that, that create happiness and helping others to do that as well. It, I, I just, I just, I'm, I know I'm raving and going on and on about this but it's because I've seen it. I've seen it change lives over the years. All right. I'm about to start to cry. I'm going to put a pin in that for a second. And Neil, why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, the early years, quote unquote, <laughs> like you learned about play theory. You were part of Take Note Troop. Um, tell me, I would like to hear two things. I'd like to hear something that you discovered that was super valuable to you as a teen and then mm -hmm. something that you discovered as you became older and you were a young adult and you actually took play theory and taught it at LDS Business College. So, so two okay. things in early on. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Again, you're, you're good at applying these principles and I, as we get more into what those principles are, you're going to realize, oh my goodness, Dana embodies these principles. She's so good at them. And uh, you, you're really good at making people feel good about themselves. Um, and at a high level, I guess, just to maybe touch on on the what, right, of play theory, um, it really, it's it's now an organization, but it's, it's kind of a, 
a set of principles or it's a paradigm really that um, believes and, and uh, proclaims that happiness is a skill and that life is a team sport. And the mission is really to increase emotional well-being in individuals, but also to improve personal and professional relationships. And we do that by building confidence, connection, and communication through four readily accessible principles. And we're going to talk about those a little more in depth here in a minute. But that's kind of the, the high-level what, right, of play theory. Um, and if I'm to, to go back in time, let's hop in the time machine, go back to high school, right? Um, take note troop uh, and, and then namely the principles of play theory came to me at a very crucial time in my life. I was 16 years old and a little bit about my background to give some context. Uh, I was the middle child of five kids to a mother with single, or sorry, with, with crippling depression and uh, a single mother with crippling depression. And it was really hard. We were emotionally and financially bankrupt <laughs> a lot of the time. And I didn't have a lot of support from home. I didn't have, there wasn't a lot of vision, I would say. Uh, and I know my mother um, is one of my heroes. She is, and she was battling her own demons. And I am so impressed with uh, the way she was able to, to excel in that role as a mother, given all of the dynamics. And when I was introduced to play theory and um, got to know, uh, you know, Laurie Florence and her family and you and, and your family, um, it, it really provided a structure for me to find that connection and to have a framework for me to be able to excel and grow in the ways that, that I wanted to and that I needed to. And without that structure at home, it was such a breath of fresh air to, to come into this group of, of people and to have a peer group and have um, you know adults in my life that I could look to that, uh, that really just embodied these principles of connection and community and, and uh, healthy conflict resolution. These were things that were, were kind of foreign to me, to be honest. And as I really experienced those and, and learned and observed those principles in, in action, um, I was able to really feel that potential within me develop and grow and and not only in a emotional or a social sense but spiritually i was able to really find ways to connect with god in ways that i hadn't been able to previously and and, and i know that sounds uh, you know dramatic but that really was the effect that, uh, that these principles had on me as a, as a teenager. Um, you know, I, I go back in that time machine and think on that period of my life and that season. And it's, you know, sometimes it's kind of scary to think like what would have happened if I didn't get that framework and, uh, 
you know, being the, the middle child, I, I was, uh, it was my job, right, to, to be the <laughs> difficult kid. Um, and, and maybe my version of a difficult would be very different maybe than others, um, you know, sneaking out and playing church basketball or, uh, you know, re reading Harry Potter books behind my mom's back, you know, but, um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it, it really just was such a, a game changer and, and a lifesaver for me to, to now have a, you know, our, our podcast that we just launched is called the happiness playbook. And we called it that very intentionally because these principles are the how of happiness and connection and relationships and, and anyone who's experienced them, you know, you, you've touched on that as well, can attest to that, that it, it's this framework that you can take with you to at a moment's notice, pull these, these tools out of your bag and, and connect with people and overcome, you know, emotional turmoil. And so that was just huge for me. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about the, the blessing it was for me um, in adolescence. Yeah, and I, I watched that. And I've watched that not just in your lives, but in everybody, everybody who takes these principles and incorporates them. And I loved how you said, you know, you can take the playbook out of your bag and use these. You also can take that playbook and you can understand it on a very easily accessible initial level. But just like anything that involves true principles, you can go deeper as well. The more you understand yes. it, the more you apply it, you just, you keep having aha moment after aha moment, like, oh man, that, that's what this is right here. That applies here too. And one of the things that Lurie was great about developing were, were all the different exercises and different things that, that illustrate and get into your mind and your body, how to apply these on stage, but also off stage a hundred percent. Um, yes. So you then grew up a little bit and you served a mission and then you went to Elias Business College and you decided to take play theory there. Tell us a little bit about what you learned by teaching others about it. And in that context of business majors, not theater majors. Yeah, it was a really bold move. You know, I came out to <laughs> Salt Lake City. I, uh, it's kind of funny in hindsight, um, it was a very inspired decision. And I remember feeling so strongly that I needed to, to start it. it. It began as a club, right, at um, LDS Business College. And it, and it just grew like crazy. But I, I came out there to Salt Lake City, didn't know anybody. After I put down my first month's rent and deposit, I had $123 left in my bank. And I wasn't even sure I was gonna stay there. So, but I remember um, as, as I was kind of thinking about my, my experience and what I wanted to get out of it, I remembered hearing that, uh, I, I remembered a quote, hominis dom docent discunt, that was uh, Latin for, <laughs> Men, when they teach, learn. Wait, <laughs> so, and tell everybody, where did you get that Latin phrase from? Yeah, I got it straight from Lurie Florence and from Take Note Troop. And that was um, a principle of truth that she uh, really taught me that we can understand a principle, but it's in the teaching and the sharing of that truth that we really uh, become intimate and masters of that of that truth. And that was something that I wanted to really uh, 
master with with these principles and so i marched up to the uh, student involvement office and i grabbed a form to to start a club and this was the this is the first week i started uh you know classes there in in salt lake and um and so i i got uh you know at new student orientation i rounded up uh i think it was five people five unsuspecting souls and uh i said hey i'm gonna start a club would you would you can i put your name down because I, I remember you had to have at least five people's names on the list uh the application form to start the club and so i got these people and the first meeting was in my backyard and we talked about the principles and we did a, a few games and a few exercises and um that was such a, a beautiful experience for me and really cemented my uh, not only my conviction of the principles, uh, but also just helped me understand the the broad application of them because we had people from all walks of life. This wasn't just high school, you know, uh, fun theater kids. Now these were, uh, you know, college age people studying accounting and and you know business management and interior design and just to have everybody come from these different backgrounds none of them i, I think maybe like five percent ultimately of the people that were in the club even had a background in theater but um to see how the application of these principles blessed everybody who came and we were so intentional about never getting distracted by the, the because it is really fun, but I always wanted to bring it back. And that was something I felt impressed to do. It was the application of the principles and the sharing of the how. And, and through that process, um, we, the club grew. It was actually at one point, I think it was in 2014, it was the the largest club on campus, <laughs> and we were we started doing um, shows to, to to demonstrate the principles and and these were you know typical improv shows and and we we use play theory but it was so cool to see these people who had zero experience being on stage and any kind of theater to performing in front of I think our biggest show we had around three hundred people show up. And um, we were just doing these huge shows, but it was because we were we were living these principles and applying them. And uh, that's something that people don't always realize with, I'm gonna touch on improv here just for a minute, but um, the, the best improv people that, that can get up on stage and, and really get an audience to, to feel good and, and laugh is they are living these principles. They are being a team player. They're accepting and building on offers. They're focusing. And um, it was it was so cool to see these, <laughs> these people go from nothing to performing in front of 300 people just because they were practicing these principles of truth. But uh, right? it, was, it was great. And that's not the ultimate goal is to be able just to get on stage with these. That's, that's right. just a side benefit, which is like super funny. You can choose to do that or not. But what do you think it was just getting feedback from people that were joining your club? What do you think, what do you think was being said as word was getting passed around? What drew them to come be part of the club? What do you think? You know, and it's so, it's a great question because I remember hearing we would have these club members 
just they would just grab people out of the halls when we started <laughs> meeting like people are walking down the hall in between classes and and they're literally running out i remember this one day we had we had one of our members uh just go out in the hall and literally as a class was leaving the 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 classroom next door he just started just directing them into our club <laughs> meeting and it was funny because and this might be because I wasn't always good at articulating what play theory was, uh, but they they didn't always know what to tell people it was. But they they would they were so convicted, you know, they were so uh, bought in. They would just say, "You got to come to this club," and they're like, "What is it?" Oh, we we play these games and we we focus and we be present and it's just really it's really good. It'll change your life. Come. <laughs> so, um, and, and it's it kind of like trying to like explain to somebody in an elevator pitch what the gospel is right what is the gospel of jesus christ oh okay well i I, just come just come and see come and come and and see and feel feel how your life changes see how your life changes yeah exactly i love love that so much okay so um i let's just kind of now fast forward a little bit to sort of where you are now and would you share what are some of the personal, well, actually, you know what, let's put a pin in that for a second, because we've been talking about these principles and circling around them. Let's actually name them and explain them just a little bit. Okay. Okay, now Neil is going to do just an incredibly amazing job of explaining each of the play theory principles, which are drawn from theater at large, but they were just distilled into these very easy to remember four principles. That's just the tip of the iceberg, though. That's just the theory of it, right? The theory of play theory. But the actual happiness playbook gives you play-by-play information about games and exercises and different ways to incorporate those into your daily life. So it's This is just the, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, well, okay, that I know, I understand that. But it's the how, like, but how do I do that? That's what the Happiness Playbook does, is it will help you play by play, figure out how to do that through games and exercises and other other pieces of information. It'll bring it all together. So do check out the Happiness Playbook podcast. Can't, can't, can't tell you what a gift it is. um, And I hope that you will um, accept that gift or at least check it out. All right, here's Neil again. Okay, perfect. And this is uh, kind of the, the meat here, but um, it's important to start with be present. That is the first principle. And this really comes down to being focused, paying attention, right? You can be anxious about the future. You can regret the past. And it doesn't matter which way you go. If you're not being present, you are not experiencing life in the moment. And that leads to all kinds of problems. Um, and, and be present is the first principle because that is the starting point. If you're not present, uh, then, then you can't receive, you can't give, uh, you can't um, serve. You know, it's really hard to, to be able to do any of those things. And, uh, and, and so we, we always touch on, on being present and, and the importance of that. And gratitude is a huge way to ground yourself in the moment. Mindfulness is another angle, you know, that we take on, uh, thankfully, it's gaining a lot of traction and popularity in the, in the past few years. Um, and there's clinical research and studies that show the, 
the benefits, right, of, of mindfulness. And that really is being present. It's uh, leaning in, focusing, paying attention. And that applies to everything. And if we go back to the roots in theater, and you know, scripted theater and in improvisational theater, you can, for those of you that, that have never been on stage before, you can see how this applies to being on stage because how in the world can you possibly be in the scene with the person, if it's scripted and you're thinking about, uh, I don't know, a problem you have in your real life, or you're thinking, or you're worried about an upcoming line you have, if you're, if you're not in the present, you, you, the scene is not going to be as nearly wonderful as it could be unless you were really focusing on the other person. And if it's improvisational theater, how in the world are you going to create on stage if you're not present? It won't <laughs> work. If you're, worried, if you're worried about stuff or you're thinking how you want to do this funny bit, whatever. Right. Okay. Yes. I love that. Be present. The second principle, the next one is let go and play. And this is a really good one. Um, let go and play. It really means you leave your ego at the door. You need to be humble. You need to be teachable. But you also need to go outside of your comfort zone. And you need to be action oriented. So let go and play. Once you're present, now you can you can let go and play. And I think, um, you know, success is as much about letting go of principles of mediocrity or unlearning, right? The things mm -hmm. that are keeping us from growing as it is about learning and taking on principles of success and truth. And it's so important that we are able to let go of that ego, to understand that mistakes are opportunities to learn and that there's no progress without motion. You can't steer a parked car. Even if it's the wrong direction, feedback is essential <laughs> to learning. And so you have to be able to let go and play. Absolutely, 100%. And again, in scripted theater, right? If you're not having fun on some level, then it's, it, it, the audience feels it, the other cast members feel it. Yes. You just have to let go and play. Even if you're, even if it's a, a very serious scene, you're still letting go of your stuff, of stuff that gets in the way, stuff that doesn't serve the story. Same thing with improvisational theater, right? You have to let go and play. You can't be worried about, oh no, I hope I say, I hope I know what to say when I'm given that line or whatever that line's going to be because I don't know what it's going to be. Hope I'm going to be okay. It, you just have to let go and play with it. Just play with the other people on stage, right? Yes. And I'm going to interject a quick story here that I, I love because it illustrates this principle. But I was in gymnastics actually years and years ago. And um, if we go back in that time machine and go even further back, um, I was at a gymnastics meet and I hated the vault. And for anyone who's not familiar with that, that's where you run down a track and there's a springboard and you jump off that springboard and you have to do these tricks off this, this little vault. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll never forget, I had been practicing for this gymnastics meet. It was a competition and I was just going to do a tuck jump. That was the trick that I had learned. And my coach pulled me aside and she said, Neil, I, I just looked at the rule book and talked to another coach. And I, I found out if you try 
a front handspring off of the vault and totally wipe out and land on your, your hiney and totally miss, you will get more points than if you land a tuck jump perfectly. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, okay, well, what do I got to lose? And so I went for it and I did the front handspring and I actually ended up getting first place. <laughs> so kind of a fun outcome. But the, the, the point of that isn't that you, you win or you get anything, but just that you get more out of life for going all in and, and letting go of that fear. And, and that is always more beneficial than playing it, playing it safe. And, and obviously you need to be, you need to be aware of, of uh, you know, harming others and, and you need to be uh, safe to a degree. But when it comes to that, um, that risk tolerance and, and life in general, you'll always be rewarded um, and you will always grow for leaving that comfort zone. Ah, uh, so agree. And I think also with your gymnastics story, it, it was like, what a relief to think to yourself, hey, no matter what the outcome is, I don't even, I don't even need to focus on the outcome because I'm going to be ahead no matter what. And I think, exactly. I think we can apply that to all of life if we just let go and play. And I think when we hear people say, you know, let it go, let it go. Well, the way that you let it go is by playing. Yes, I love it. Let go and play. That's a, that's a favorite of mine. I love that one. Mine too. Also, I meant, I would love to tie these principles as we go through each one, since we have a, a, an LDS audience of some degree, I'm not really sure. I haven't done a survey, but this is a podcast focused on things that lift us that are, you know, give us spiritual energy within an LDS context. I would like to tie these into gospel principles as well. So uh, let's talk about let go and play. And when Christ says, become ye as a child. Oh, it, it, there are so many scriptures that, that tell us, you know, that, that children have it figured out, right? <laughs> or that the kingdom <laughs> some of degree. heaven. Yeah. You're right, right. To some degree, but the, it's the attributes of children um, that, are, that are so admirable, right? They are so right. quick to forgive let go of, of uh, you know, resentment, letting go of, of pain from the past and, and just moving forward. Um, and they are so humble and so teachable. And they, they, don't, uh, they don't have an ego, right? There's no ego to leave at the door. They're just, they're just in it for fun. And, and, you know, kind of going back to being present, they are always just hyper present and, uh, and really good at that as well. But I think it's very insightful that the Savior instructed us uh, to, to be like children and to emulate those attributes. And I think let go and play. I mean, they're the masters of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're, yes. they're, the, they're the masters of that. They are. And uh, so I love, well, I, whenever I think of let go and play, and I think of as we, as we get older and we get layered with the fears that we can remember how fearless children are when it comes to the basics. Now there are some children that are a little more fearful than others, but when it comes to things that they need to learn they just do it naturally. They're not, they're not, you know, thinking, like you said, they're in the present. They're not thinking toward the future and fearful, but they are letting go and they're just being, and they're exploring and playing and learning. So I love that. Let's just rewind a little bit too, and go back to principle one, which is be present. Uh, how does learning how to be more present affect our spiritual life? This one is, is really important. And 
I, I think to understand how it impacts us spiritually, it's important to look at the world we're living in. We are so bombarded every day with, with distraction, with filth, with negativity, with, you know, even, even if it's not necessarily bad things, there's just so much information coming at us constantly. And we know, uh, I love the hymn, Be Still My Soul. Mm -hmm. And when I think of be present from a spiritual perspective, I know that in order to be in tune with the spirit, to be able to receive revelation, we have to close, we have to shut out the noise. We have to get rid of that and we have to focus and pay attention because we're not going to be able to receive that that revelation or or those insights or direction if we're if we are distracted, if we are inundated and to the point where we can't uh, be still and hear that. Uh, yes. A lifetime of learning how to do that for sure. Yes. <laughs> and it's not easy, especially, you know, with these smartphones in our pockets and oh, it's it's well, crazy. Even before crazy. smartphones, Neil, just praying, you know, um, I've a, a lifetime of learning how to be present when praying and communicating with the most important entity in the universe and being present with that, truly being present and, and listening. All right. Love this so much. Let's talk about principle number three. Accept and build is what we are, um, going to talk about now and some of you more seasoned theater people might recognize this as yes and they are one and the same except and build is uh, just another way to describe it and uh, doesn't require as much description um, so accept and build really comes down to validation right it's mm. important to know that we we are in a world and there are so many people around us and at any given moment we have partners we have people in our sphere of influence that are giving and receiving offers right an offer could be uh, a conversation you know it could be a thought a question an idea um, or or an action right but mm. there there are offers at any given moment um, and it is so important that we validate and contribute to the thoughts and offers from those around us and, and that we are accepting and building upon those offers. And, um, you know, uh, 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 maybe this is not a good example, but, you know, Dana, <laughs> you, you reach out to me and you say, hey, I would love to discuss play theory. And, you know, what did I do with that offer? I, I accepted it and hopefully I'm building on it. <laughs> you know, hopefully this is uh, a good example of that, but we need to be optimistic builders for, for any innovation, collaboration, connection, communication, you name it, any positive interaction between two or more people requires that you accept and build. And we've, we know what those people feel like. You've, you know what they're, they're like, they're the ticker like positive people. They pay attention. They ask thoughtful questions. They, you know, they make eye contact. They are present. Um, and we also know what the opposite's like, right? We know what a wrecker is like, <laughs> those that reject and tear down ideas. And um, we see so many examples of this uh, principle, uh, again, in the scriptures from a, a spiritual perspective as well. Um, 
and, and those who are of the LDS, uh, you know, who are Latter-day Saints of the Church of Jesus Christ, um, will know the prophet Nephi, um, who is commanded to build a ship to sail across the ocean. And his response is the, the perfect example of accept and build. You know, when God tells him to build that ship, he, he doesn't know how to do this, right? You could say this mm -hmm. is a this is an overwhelming offer, right? Or this is beyond my, my <laughs> skills or capabilities, but he doesn't reject it. He doesn't question it. He just says, whither shall I go for ore? He, he just immediately accepts that and builds on it in the way he knows how. Um, and, and, and physically builds a ship, right? So it's yeah. kind of funny play on words there. Yeah, right. And uh, let's just talk about this a little bit further because often in life, when you're given an offer, it can immediately feel gut-wrenching. Fear can come up. Like Nephi could have said, uh, I mean, I think if I were given that offer, I would have, my immediate response would have been, oh, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? I, I don't even know, I didn't know how to use tools, let alone where to get tools. I've never built a ship. Like, I am just this petite female who doesn't know a thing about this, right? Like, that would be maybe my first reaction. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with having those thoughts, but we can then take those thoughts. Cause I mean, did Nephi immediately say that? We don't know. Maybe right. he had to go through a period. We know that when Eve was given an offer to become the mother of all living and there was a way to do that, there was some thought process like, well, how do I do that? And I'm not really sure which commandment is more important. And it, it, there can sometimes be this thought process. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea that, oh no, I'm gonna feel guilty because I'm not immediately accepting every offer and yes ending it, right? Right. It can be a period of time when we're like trying to figure out how to accept and build on that and say yes and. And, and I love that you made that distinction. Um, and that's why I, I always try to bring in that validation piece and accepting an offer doesn't mean you're, you're accepting a, a necessarily a negative or a harmful offer, right? But you For sure. Can, yeah. 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 And you, and you can accept that, you know, the situation, for example, or the individual and regardless of what that offer might be. But I, I love, you know, there are periods of, of, you know, that acceptance uh, phase can, can be hard. And, um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, a hard, a hard offer I was uh, given uh, five years ago was when my mother passed away. And for me to tie in this principle, I, I had to apply all of the principles of play theory to get through that experience. But when I think about that and getting the news and realizing that I was going to have to move forward without my mother, who, you know, when you grow up with a single parent home, you get really close to that parent. And so it was, it was hard for all kinds of reasons. Um, but to, to really have that one-on-one -on -one with Heavenly Father, I drove out to the Salt Flats uh, just outside of Salt Lake. And I, I had that one-on-one -on -one with Heavenly Father. And I said, this is, this is my reality. And I, I have to move forward. If I, if I don't accept this, I can't begin that healing process. And so that was a very powerful experience where I felt God helping me accept and then build upon 
that that hardship, but really take that as an opportunity, you know, as, as my life kind of fell apart in a lot of ways to rebuild myself. And that was, um, that was such a great uh, ex experience for me. And I'm so grateful to have this framework and these principles of truth to, to rely on in that trying time of my life. Uh, me too. I really, I really don't, I don't know what I would be without that whole idea of accepting what has been placed on your path and then finding a way to build on that through inner strength, through strength from others and specifically strength from above. Yes. Let's give a little more lighthearted version of that. Let's put uh, the yes hand into context or, or accepting and building into the context of a relationship with a significant other or your spouse. Give it, let's give an example of an offer your spouse might give you that you could yes send or accept. Oh, and I, I love this. Uh, marriage is dramatically improved as you, <laughs> as you apply these principles. And, um, you know, some of them are more subtle than others. And I know in my marriage with my soulmate, Abria, who I just adore and who is very good at these principles, um, you know, a lot of the times when we've had a, a hard day or, or, a, or a hard um, time, it's, it's really important to, um, to lift the mood. And, and again, she's really good at this, but if she knows I've had a, a hard day at work, um, you know, she will, she will come in and uh, she has surprised me with my favorite meal. She has, uh, one time she came in with balloons and threw them at me. And um, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because I always appreciate that. Sometimes in the moment it can be, uh, you know, you do have to make that decision, right? What you're going to mm -hmm. do with it. Yep. And if, and again, happiness is a skill as you practice these things and they become second nature and kind of the knee jerk reaction. It's um, I'm so grateful for those moments where, you know, your spouse in an effort to, to help, you know, you, 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 yes. And that you accept that and build on it and can turn a lot of scenarios uh, around and, and end up laughing rather than, you know, crying and, and right. being sad about it because you have the choice you could shut you could shut down the offer you know yes. it might not be exactly what you want but i think that when we apply the principle of of giving grace and of, of accepting and that becomes a mindset that becomes more of your knee-jerk reaction then again that principle just applies to all of our relationships and it applies even in the in the workforce a, a boss and employee relationship or co-worker relationships it applies everywhere i, I can't so, tell you how often i used these principles uh in in corporate america in professional settings they just huge huge that's going to be you have so much to talk about on the happiness playlist podcast <laughs> really seriously you guys listening you're going to need to put this you need to describe to, to subscribe to it put it on you know the first part of your podcasts and you'll want to be listening to these for <laughs> you're so nice no seriously because you're going to see all the applications we're just barely touching it like the tip of the iceberg absolutely all right let's talk about principle four Look outward. This is a very important one. Um, look, looking outward really means being a team player. 
and thinking of the best interest of the group. Um, something that a phrase we've used a lot in the past uh, that I really love that kind of captures look outward is to make your partner look good. And again, going back to a previous example, our partners in life can be anyone that can be your spouse, can be your children, it can be a friend, it can be your boss, teacher, whatever. These are your partners in life. And when you're looking outward, you're, you're having that, that mindset and, and asking what is needed. What, what can I do to collectively benefit uh, the group, you know, those within my sphere of influence? And it's really kind of, um, I like to think of it as a nice packaging that kind of wraps up the other three because it, it's, it's kind of, as you be present, you let go and play, you accept and build. As you apply these, and, and you do it with the right intent, you are looking outward and, and you're serving and you're thinking about the greater cause and the greater good of the group. And um, there's obviously so many applications <laughs> with oh, this one so from many. a spiritual perspective, for sure. Um, let's, go to the, let's go to the roots in theater. If you, okay. if the focus is on you, like, look at me, look at me, I'm the star, or, you know, the focus is on, your nervousness, right? Again, the focus is on you. But even in an audition situation or an opening night situation or anything where you so or a certain person is in the audience and that's making you nervous, from a theater point of view, if it becomes not about you anymore, but about what gift you're going to give to the audience and you're looking outward to them, it changes everything for that actor yes. on stage. Everything. Because it's no longer about you, it's about giving something looking outward. Let's talk about how that applies in other situations. I love that example because it's interesting to note not only what that does for the person on stage, but as an audience member, kind of going, just touching on the theater example real quick before I move on, you can feel the energy. You know, when, when someone goes on stage wanting to share light, you can feel that when it's, but when the tables turn and it's a, it's a self-interested thing, um, then you can feel that as well. And, and having done lots of workshops, um, it's been very interesting. I remember this one meeting at LDS Business College where we had someone caught wind of the play theory group and, and they showed up and they, they had a theater background, right? They, they were improv, uh, an improv person but they were very, you know, it's the me, me, me personality type. And they, mm -hmm. and so it was the look at me, you know, persona and, and they didn't enjoy it. <laughs> they, they, they only came that one week. And when they realized, you know, that wasn't the, the energy of the group or, or the quick laughs weren't, you know, that it just was, it was causing friction and, and they didn't last and, and they left. But I think, you know, now applying that to life, we can feel that energy as well. And um, when, when you're in a group of people, the, the me, 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 you know, the look at me people, um, you, can, you can really feel the difference. And mm. whether that's, um, I love that you pointed out, whether that's, you know, overly competent or, um, you know, self-interested or, you know, low self-esteem thinking, putting yourself below others, both of those are actually, you know, inwardly focused. And mm -hmm. 
it's so important to just remove yourself from the equation and and get outside of of that um, that that mentality to to really focus on others. And I'll tell you, from a marriage perspective, this <laughs> this one is huge, very key. Yeah, um, I think. Oh, tell us, tell us, Neil. Well, I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, I love, I love my wife and she loves me right back and we are soulmates and we, we just like anyone else have to navigate, uh, you know, obstacles in our relationship. And we were talking just a few weeks ago and we narrowed down every problem that, that can be had in marriage is stems from selfishness and whether it's you you know, begrudgingly helping with chores because, you know, you feel like that's the other person's responsibility or whether it's, you know, whether it's shared responsibility or, or thinking about the, the woe is me, you know, I'm good at that too. After a long day of work, you know, I can be <laughs> thinking I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just wanting to take a break. And, um, but selfishness is the root of so many problems. And, and it's in serving others and in that outward focus and in that charity. You know, we, we read about charity as the pure love of Christ in the scriptures. And as we embody that, that is how we level up ourselves and how we are able to, to heal from our own problems and to really progress in a way that we can't otherwise is by looking outward and serving those around us. You know, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here just because I've lived a few decades longer than you. I know, surprise, right? (laughs) But I have observed that sometimes when we think of looking outward or serving others and how Christ tells us to lose ourselves uh, and then we'll find ourselves, uh, that can be misinterpreted to mean that you never think of yourself. And if you do, that's selfish. And uh, I want to be very, 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 very clear about how that also includes looking outward includes self-compassion because the more self-compassion you have the more compassion you can then give and and give that outward so uh if you apply the other principles like let go and play and and accept and build these and also being present these are all principles that can inform who you are and who you can become as you continue to grow. Absolutely. So if you've got a pretty, if you're already focusing on those principles and you've got a pretty good idea of how those uh, look and how you can continue to make them be a deeper part of yourself and how you show up, then I think that that helps you understand more what look outward truly means. It doesn't mean self-sacrifice at all costs. It's not that at all. So can you talk about, um, a little bit more about that principle and how it um, also talks about self-care. I yes, and I love I love self-care and I love the the intentional phrasing of self-compassion um, because you know if your job is if you're a taxi driver and your job is to get people from point A to point B and to serve them in that way. If your car is not running, you you are not able to, to do that. And I think, you know, it can be an incredibly charitable thing to, to sharpen your tools, to make sure you are capable and in a 
in a place and position where you can serve others. And I think um, it, it is easy to get to, for that message to get lost as we focus on this outward, uh, you know, charitable mindset. And, you know, there's nothing noble about self, um, you know, self-degradation or self-neglect. And uh, when, it, when it gets to that point, um, it is, it's important to revisit, uh, you know, those, those priorities and making sure that you are able to position yourself uh, to be able to serve and love and, and do all the good things because God has so much for each one of us to do and perform. And if we are neglecting our, our own well-being and, and not able to serve and to be an instrument in building the kingdom, then that's that's missing the mark too in a big way. So I love that you pointed that out. Thanks, Neil. And I love how Christ shows us that in his own life as well, where he often will go off by himself to do whatever he needs to do to self-care or recharge or commune with his father in heaven. We also can do that. And again, these principles apply, you know, being present with where you are in life and being present with God, having that communication, having that in influx and infusion into your life so that you then can give and look outward. Just like on stage, you can't really look outward if you don't take preparation to be able to give that gift. So it involves yes. a sense of preparation as well. I'm just gonna throw this out there because you reminded me of it, but I believe along those lines that Preparation is the price you pay for inspiration yep. in the moment. And uh, it's very key, I think, to making sure you are prepared to be able to, at a moment's notice, you know, go and serve, follow, follow Christ, you know, and, and so that's a very good point. Yeah, and I remember, you know, listening to Larie for so many years, she would often bring that principle up as well to encourage people to learn their lines, to encourage people to put in the time to show up for rehearsals and to do it <laughs> on their own, promising them, promising them that they will be freer and they'll be able to give more and have a better experience once they're on stage. So, and again, this applies to real life too. We will have a better experience. We will be freer. We'll be able to give more and be outward when we apply the other principles and prepare as well. So love it. So right. good. It's <laughs> all so good. It's all so, so, so good. All right, Neil, this has been so amazing. I, we could just talk about this forever. I, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, if you will now, touch on just some personal benefits that you um, now are reaping in your life, and specifically as a father. Oh, we, you'll have to do a part two and part three to capture all of this. I know. Um, <laughs> there's so many, so many blessings have come to me and my family um, through these principles of truth. And specifically as a father, you know, play is the language of mm. children. Mm. And it's called play theory for, for a reason. It's because as you accept and, and apply and intimately uh, become familiar with these principles, 
you are able to communicate on that level. You're, you're able to connect. And I am so grateful for, for the moments that I have been able to really, truly connect with my children as a father. Um, sorry, I... Being, being a father, um, for me, I've, I've always wanted to be that. That has been my goal, as long as I can remember to be, to be a good father. And knowing that um, I'm able to really be present, to put my phone away, and to focus on these children, to let go of my ego, to to roll around on the ground and use my imagination and engage with my children to let go and play. Um, and, and then to, to accept and build upon these sweet little offers that come from my, my children. Um, and then to, to be able to always maintain that charity and that outward focus. Uh, there, there's no selfish reason at all that you would be a parent. There just isn't. Um, and I am so grateful for the growth that has come from being a parent. But it's really been such a, a good daily reminder for me to, to keep that charity in my heart and to remember that it's not about me. Uh, it's about building up these sweet little spirits and, and helping them connect with heaven. Um, and to go back to accept and build just for a brief moment, um, there are offers you get from your children that are very, <laughs> that you do not want to accept or build on. But when you, when you, when you lift the hood though of that principle and you focus on validation, your child now asking for a cookie before they've had any of their dinner, um, can go from a rejection and saying, no, now is not the time to eat that, put it away, eat your dinner. That's very different than, oh, aren't your mother's cookies delicious? I love that you love them. And guess what? Here comes the build part. I accepted. Guess what? After dinner, you can have two if you eat all of the food on your plate. That's just one very small example um, and of one principle and its application. But I know that I've become the parent and the father that God wants me to be. And I know a big part of that has come directly from applying principles of truth and specifically play theory into my parenthood. And who doesn't want to be told that they can have not just one, but two cookies <laughs> That's right. after they do the other thing. And again, that is such a beautiful example of how we can apply it in parenting. You're not shutting them down. You're validating their request, validating yes. them. And you also, I saw what you did there. You validated your wife too with her cookies. <laughs> like, Anytime you can, you can squeeze those in too. That's helpful. Right? That was like really smooth. Very nicely done. I love it so much. <laughs> Oh, this has been such a treat for me. Speaking of cookies, this has been an absolute treat. I'm so, so happy to get on here and chat about this stuff, especially with dear friends that I just admire and love to pieces. Well, same, 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 Neil. I'm so, so excited to see 
where you will go with the Happiness Playlist podcast. And I will be listening every single episode. I love it so much. I listened to the episode one. It's, it's new guys who are listening out there. So you can get in on the very ground level of listening to it. There's two episodes. Episode one I've listened to. I'm about to listen to episode two, which is about gratitude. What's the name of episode two again? What is it called? Be Present with Gratitude. Yes. So we'll dive into be present and, and infuse some gratitude stuff in there as well. So it's going to be good. Love that so much. Well, they're all going to be good. So come <laughs> on this journey and find the happiness playlist wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. I saw it on um, Apple Podcasts, but it's on probably everywhere, right? It's on Spotify as well. Yes, it will be on Spotify, Apple, or uh, yeah, iTunes, Google, you name it. There, there's also going to be an RSS feed. If you're really technical, you can get that as well. So it'll be everywhere. Very, very, very cool. And also, is there a website that we can go to if we just want to learn more about play theory and delve into it? There is, and it just got totally revamped and overhauled and looks better than ever. So if you go to playtheory.org, you will see um, a shiny new play theory website that will have information. Will have yeah, it's really it's really exciting. I love the old one. So I didn't really realize it had been revamped. So I know I'm going to head right there. Oh, you go check it out. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I will. All right. <laughs> so love to you. And let's again, shout out to Lurie Florence. She's the one behind all of this. And she actually is who you interview in the first podcast. You can yes. hear her take and how play theory came about and her own explanation of these each of these theories. You it, it's just incredible. So go there and listen. And uh, on Neil's behalf, we say thank you. I mean, not on his behalf, but to you and to Larry, we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Dana. Love it. You're amazing. <laughs> thank you. Keep it up. Okay. Well, you keep it up too. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks. Nancy. All right. <laughs> See ya. Bye-bye now. And thank you, friends, so much for joining and listening. It means so much to me that you would take the time to do that and take the time to share it with friends and subscribe. Thank you to those who have been on the Apple Podcast and have left star reviews. I appreciate that. And that really does help. I mean, it's weird how just a few help. So the more that can do that, the more people who will be able to find the podcast and leave a review. That would be awesome too. And remember, happiness is a skill. For more show notes and information about where to go to find the Happiness Podcast and just links to the website that Neil mentioned, go to thespiritualcaffeine.com or shoot an email to, to myself or to Neil or any comment you'd like to share to thespiritualcaffeine at gmail.com. All right, go out and make it a fabulous day if you so choose. <laughs> See you.